Hello, everyone, and welcome to I4CP's Next Practices Weekly podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Tom Stone, a senior research analyst at I4CP, the Institute for Corporate Productivity, the leading authority on next practices in human capital. The Next Practices Weekly podcast is one of the ways we share those practices with you by interviewing top HR leaders and facilitating discussion with the broader HR community on what high performance organizations are doing differently with their people practices. From HR strategy to talent acquisition, learning and development, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and much more. Recently, I4CP CEO Kevin Oakes and I had a great conversation with Mike Asbury, Vice President of People Experience at Autodesk. He shared details of Flex Forward, their flexible work policy. This included their intentional approach to redesign workspaces, several new digital experiences, and employee gathering guidelines, programs to support development in a hybrid environment, and new reimbursement options to better enable remote work. But before we get to that, did you know that I4CP has recently announced the initial slate of speakers for our Next Practices Now conference, which is held each year in March and will be held again March 25th through the 28th, 2024 in Scottsdale, Arizona. Intended for HR leaders with no vendors involved, this conference will feature HR authors such as Dave Ulrich, Charlene Lee, and Rob Cross, as well as senior HR leaders from Microsoft, AWS, IBM, Citi, Micron, Google, and more. Additional speakers and more information about the conference will be available soon. To learn more or to register, just visit our website at i4cp.com forward slash conference. Okay, now for that discussion with Mike Asbury, Vice President of People Experience at Autodesk. All right, thanks, Tom. And uh, I'm, I'm thrilled to introduce Mike Asbury, who's the VP of People Experience at Autodesk, one of our member organizations. Mike, thanks so much for joining us today. Hey, Kevin, thanks for inviting me. I'm excited to be here. Um, you know, Mike, I think probably the thing we should do is just kind of start out talking about you. You've uh, you've been an HR leader at, at many organizations, including a lengthy time at Microsoft, uh, but as well as leadership roles at Western Digital, Workday, and other companies. So tell us a little bit about you and your, your journey in HR. And then after that, we'll talk a little bit more about Autodesk itself. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to. Uh, so as, as you noted, um, I've uh, been at a number of different companies, Microsoft, Western Digital, uh, Workday, and Autodesk are some of the notable companies I've had the opportunity to work um, at and learn from over the 25 years or so um, that I've been in HR. Uh, you know, my journey, I think, in terms of where, where I uh, started and what led me to where I am today, um, you know, there, there was really a build on the things that I've had an opportunity to experience. Uh, so early in my career, I started out in HR technology, uh, really found a love for the um, applying of technology to people problems and figuring out how to make that work in HR. Um, and so as I went through, I had an opportunity to participate in merger and acquisition integrations. And it was through that I, I uh, got the opportunity to understand HR shared services. And so that took me down a journey at a number of companies doing HR shared service implementations. Uh, and, you know, really it was about applying technology, operations excellence, and a service mindset. And uh, it was really at Microsoft, uh, got the first opportunity. I spent nine years there, but got an opportunity to build out the first global HR operations function uh, at, at Microsoft. And the thing that I learned, I learned so much at Microsoft, but the, one of the things that I learned uh, there was focusing on employee experience, not cost savings. And so moving from shared services um, or HR service delivery from a perspective of how do you deliver great employee experiences. And that really helped me um, with the, the next phase of, of companies that I worked at. Um, That's great. Work, yeah, that, that, work, that was probably before even yeah. uh, we were using employee experience as, as a term, Mike. Uh, it, was. Right? Yeah. it was. It yeah. was, yeah. Uh, I, I think, uh, you know, in addition to the employee experience, I think when I when I uh, got the experience at, at Workday and at, um, uh, at Western Digital, I also had the opportunity to kind of build out more around 
the consultative capabilities and more, uh, even more around employee experience. So each of those experiences really has led me to where I'm at today, which is um, working at Autodesk for the last three years. It's an amazing company. I'm leading a team called uh, People Experience, which really combines the capabilities of analytics, uh, design, service delivery, and uh, combining both transactional and consultative delivery, which I can talk more about. Great. I didn't mean to forward the slide there too <laughs> prematurely, but uh, no. I know I know we've got some uh, data on Autodesk as well, which is a company that I'm sure a lot of people uh, you know have heard of, many of them know, but you know it'd be great to get an update uh, just on what's happening with the organization. Yeah, happy to. Before uh, I talk about uh, the company, would love to uh, get uh, some reaction from folks on uh, on chat. If you are, um, you know, if you wouldn't mind putting in chat what you know about Autodesk without looking it up, without Googling it, uh, what uh, Autodesk's products are, what we focus on. Love to first hear. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so and I, hopefully I didn't give too much away here by uh, with this data. I don't think so. We'll see. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I'd be curious. I was yeah. going to say, it'd be interesting to see what people say about the products uh, of Autodesk. Oh, yep. So, okay, so. Some no idea, um, very little, nothing. CAD software. Um, okay, I had a suspicion. This is why I wanted to uh, to ask the question. I think uh, you know, as I'm as I'm looking at some of the answers here, uh, you know, I, I like to say Autodesk is is the kind of best kept secret in Silicon Valley as a company. Um, Autodesk makes software for people who design and make the world. So we're a global leader in software for architects, builders, engineers, designers, manufacturers, uh, 3D artists, and production teams. And really, uh, the technology that we are building uh, spans a number of different industries, and it really helps creators and innovators everywhere solve challenges. So if you think about it, from like buildings, uh, to cars, to machines, to rockets, uh, to major movie productions, if it was uh, constructed, manufactured, it's a good chance that Autodesk software was used to bring it to life. And so, uh, as I've seen in the chat here, I think when people when people think of Autodesk, maybe the, the one product that they're familiar with is AutoCAD. And so, a lot of times, once you say AutoCAD, people make the connection with the company. But uh, we have software that's used to design and make in, um, in multiple industries and well beyond uh, the AutoCAD uh, experience, but it's a really important part of the so we're headquartered in San Francisco. Uh, we have just under 14,000 employees and we're distributed in 96 offices around the world. Yeah, it's impressive the worldwide uh, presence of the organization. I know I've met with uh, some of your colleagues in, in London. I know you have a pretty good uh, uh, UK presence, um, but uh, it, uh, that, was, that was part that surprised me was just how global the organization is as well. Yeah, yeah, we're uh, very well distributed. In fact, uh, we have, Roughly equal number of employees uh, spread between Amer, uh, EMEA, and APAC. Awesome. Well, let, I also jumped uh, ahead uh, too quickly <laughs> on the next slide, but let's let's turn to it. I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about um, how HR is structured at Autodesk. You know, what's involved in your role, uh, Mike, as uh, the head of people experience? Yeah. So. Uh, I'll talk about the, the, the people organization and then, then my team here uh, that's on this slide. So uh, first, our, our HR organization, what we call people and places, uh, we have, uh, our mission is really to deliver an uh, inspiring employee experience for our Autodeskers. And we're organized roughly in, in uh, similar to a number of uh, HR functions. We have our centers of expertise, we have an experience and delivery set of capabilities, and then we have our people, business partners focused uh, in partnership with our, our senior leaders and divisions, global divisions across the company. Um, in terms of our COEs, we have uh, talent acquisition, total rewards, talent management, l and uh, the, the common ones, uh, but we're also building out a COE for org effectiveness that is an important part of our model. And we have workplace and travel within our HR organization, which is something that's very helpful for us as we're trying to combine together the experience for employees uh, holistically. Um, in terms of people experience, so the organization that I lead, it's uh, focused on designing and delivering an 
the inspiring employee experience that reflects our company values and the voice of our people. And we have five functions, and we've really been on a journey building these five functions out in the last two and a half years that I um, have been with Autodesk. So we have our, our people insights function, which is really focused on des delivering evidence-based insights. We're building an advanced HR analytics capability really within people insights. Uh, so we have uh, data scientists, uh, organizational uh, uh, psychologists, and uh, anal analytics that are all combined in our people insights team. We have experience, uh, employee experience design is a new team for us. And the way I like to think about this, we sort of reimagine your, your common HR technology function um, into uh, a team that's really focused on delivering um, our uh, better employee experiences across the employee lifecycle using human-centered design and design thinking, partnering with our COEs. Um, so really excited about the work that that team is doing. And then it also includes people services, which is your typical global and regional shared services. Uh, people consulting, which is a regional uh, service delivery that's consultative. So we help managers and their teams uh, with the common kind of uh, uh, problems or, or uh, problem solving that, that you have with like performance management and career development, those kinds of things. And then we have a central team called Thrive, which is focused on employee relations. A uh, number of different functions. That what I'm most excited about with people experience uh, in this, uh, this role that I'm in uh, today is really getting to combine analytics, uh, really uh, thinking about uh, human-centered design in building experiences, and then how do you carry that through in the way that you deliver the ex those experiences uh, in service delivery across the ecosystem to all employees? Yeah, I agree. I love that, how you've combined some things that are um, often separate in organizations um, to provide a better experience. And I think the inclusion of analytics there is just brilliant. Um, it's, it's one that I, you know, I'm sure other organizations could consider going forward. I'm also interested in how you've taken something, uh, you know, pretty mundane like employee relations and have called it Thrive. I think that's that's uh, also a nice twist to, to how we look at that. But I'm curious on the people consulting part, what are um, some of the, you know, the, you said this is tackling common issues. What are some of the common issues that, you know, are coming up these days, Mike? Yeah, so uh, I think uh, there the way I look at the, the people consulting function is if you if you look at all of the strategies coming out of our COEs, uh, they're really there to uh, enable managers to uh, really adopt those best practices for each of those different strategies, whether it is compensation practices, whether it's uh, performance management and talent uh, management, those kinds of things. So that, you know, many companies have uh, HR generalists or HR managers that are either international HR or uh, reporting up through HRVPs. Uh, in this case, we've, we've taken that uh, set of resources and we've assembled them into regional consultative delivery teams. And so all of the, uh, all of the, uh, the common kind of concerns and opportunities that you have with uh, a manager needing to make sure that their team is performing well, that they understand how to coach, give feedback, uh, that if they have performance management issues they need to address. These are the kinds of things that people consulting is really focused on. And for us, uh, right now, a lot of uh, that opportunity exists in how to get uh, managers and teams working well together in a, in a hybrid environment where we're all very distributed. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, uh, coming into the office um, for, uh, you know, different reasons, but not not in the office altogether. And it presents its own set of opportunities and challenges. Yeah, I know we're gonna talk a little bit more about that, but I, I hear that almost every day these days, Mike, is organizations trying to help managers in a you know fairly new environment to most of those managers, right? They're not only managing hybrid teams, but just how do you manage hybrid meetings, you know, where you've got people in, you know, one location and people elsewhere. And I think the challenges right now that uh, managers are facing are, are much more unique than they were uh, pre-pandemic, for sure. So it's great that you've got that function that's that's helping them with, with that. Absolutely, yeah. I and I noticed in chat there's some questions on uh, yeah some, where some of the other some of the other roles in the organization whether and whether those sit under people experience. So 
people are wondering if traditional total rewards is part of your team. They're wondering about org effectiveness. They're wondering about HRBPs. So uh, if you could speak to those. Happy to. Yeah. So uh, the total rewards and org effectiveness and our other, what I would consider centers uh, of expertise are not part of people experience. Uh, so you can consider us more uh, of an enabling and service uh, delivery function or uh, consultative delivery function supporting those CLEs. So uh, those those are their own functions. And then the question around HR business partners, we have uh, we do have uh, people business partners that are not part of people experience uh, that that are a separate team that focus specifically on the uh, engagement with our executive leaders, vice president and above, who are uh, managing global divisions. And so our people business partners will really focus on talent strategies and uh, uh, the business and people strategy. And our teams, particularly people consulting uh, and people services, will provide the day-to-day uh, -day and ongoing support for leaders and for employees in that model. Mike, let's um, let's shift to a topic that you know we at, at I4CP have talked and written a lot about, and that's the culture of, of Autodesk, because that's really uh, what you're doing here is you're affecting the culture through the people experience. And would love for you to just describe uh, a little bit about you know what the culture is today at Autodesk. Yeah, I'd be happy to. If, uh, if we can move to the next slide, I think there's a culture slide there. Okay, so yeah, what. Our culture is, for me, you know, our culture is really what makes this a great company. It's what drew me uh, essentially to join the company. And I think it's, it is, uh, you know, our employees really love working at Autodesk and it shows through the uh, engagement surveys and our, and our attrition, which is, is quite low and has been uh, for, for many years. Uh, Autodeskers are smart and creative. They care about the company mission. Uh, and they care about each other. And so uh, especially was true through the pandemic as our, our executive team showed uh, through their actions, uh, a lot of care about how we took the, took the employees through the pandemic and, and in thinking about the design of our flexible programs that we have coming out of the pandemic. So Autodesk as a company gets recognition for the culture uh, and the importance we place on it. Uh, for being a great place to work and for focus on diversity and belonging, as well as uh, being one of the world's most sustainable companies. And uh, creativity, innovation, and sustainability, they're all part of our ethos at Autodesk. We are creators and, and builders, and we work with, uh, with creators and builders who are trying to build a sustainable world. So again, I said it before, but I think Autodesk is really, for me, is like the best kept secret in, in the Bay Area and uh, really love working at this company. As, as you think about the culture, Mike, um, who wakes up in the morning every day and, and uh, you know, thinks about how do I improve the culture? How do I, uh, you know, make it better? And who, who would you consider owns that, you know, that topic going forward? Uh, that's a good question. I, I mean, it starts with our CEO, Andrew Anagnost. I think uh, the entire CEO staff at Autodesk is really concerned about our culture, and it's it's an important topic that uh, you know is discussed quite a lot at the executive level. So, um, my boss uh, Rebecca Pierce, who's the chief people officer at Autodesk, is obviously very concerned about it, and we're all focused on culture uh, in various aspects of the work that we do in uh, our organizations. But I really think it starts at the top. Very good. <clears throat> Tom, I think you have controls now. Is that correct? Yeah. Sorry about my earlier mysterious computer issues, but I think I've retaken over controls of the slides, which is good because I think we want to pivot now to your uh, your uh, hybrid work program, Mike. And I know you gave us a video that will sort of tee that up. So uh, if it's all right with you, I think I'll go ahead and, and play that video and then we'll dive into that topic. Yeah, that sounds great.
You know, one one phrase I loved in that video, Mike, was we are hybrid by design, not by default. Uh, and that just that really resonates with me because I uh, I felt that so many of the policies that other organizations have put into place have been uh, more of a, you know, a horse trade between uh, certain functions in, in the organization, you know, where uh, a lot of times senior leadership wants everybody in the office five days a week, uh, you know, eight, nine to five. And. Uh, you know, somebody else wants more flexibility. And so they arrive um, at a compromise. And that's, that is what it is usually is a compromise. Um, tell us a little bit how you, about how you arrived at your current program. Yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad you brought that up about the uh, intentional by design, because I really think we did spend a lot of time focusing on what we wanted this program to look like. And, uh, and it's certainly evolved over the course of the last uh, couple of years. Uh, one thing to note, I think, is Autodesk was already quite flexible uh, before the pandemic. You know, even even before the pandemic, we had about uh, 70, our, our employees on average were in the office about 75% of the time and had about 25% opportunity to work remote. And that varied office to office, but, uh, you know, we, we were quite flexible with uh, allowing employees to work from home and we were also quite distributed as a company. So that differentiated us, I think, to, to the starting point that some companies had. And you know, with the pandemic, this really presented us with a once in a generation opportunity to experiment with some of the more radical ways uh, of working and, and became a catalyst for us on how we can uh, help the business and, and our employees really thrive in that uh, kind of flexible work environment. So during that, that time coming out of the pandemic or during the pandemic and, and uh, as we came out, we really spent a lot of time focusing on what is the new normal. Um, and so, some of the areas for us that were really important were individual flexibility. So we wanted to design the program that allowed for as much individual flexibility uh, for our employees as we could make, as well as uh, the ability to work remote and have amazing in-office experiences. So, you know, Autodesk, one of, uh, so, you know, some of our products are go into making great buildings and great office experiences. And so that's a part of the company. Uh, and, and if you've ever been into inside of an Autodesk office there, the aesthetic is, is amazing um, and, you know, great places to work at. So we didn't want to lose that either. Um, and so in, in some places, some of our employees really love working office. So we wanted to have a program that had a mix um, and gave us the ability to take advantage of indiv individual flexibility as well as um, uh, to use our, uh, our great offices and also to maintain productivity, innovation, uh, and connection and belonging at the same time. So those were some of the critical enablers. Um, we launched the program. We call it Flex Forward. We launched it originally in May of 2021. Uh, the hybrid first approach really allowing employees to have the freedom to work remote or from the office based on their individual needs. Um, and then we've continued to listen through surveys and through other means uh, to adjust the program as we've gone along. Uh, and one thing I would say about how we evolved or how we designed the program is we really tried to take a holistic approach, looking at physical space, cultural norms, and enabling technology and digital experience that we can create to help uh, make this hybrid first environment. Yeah, it's great that you launched this so early too, uh, May of 2021. That was, um, you know, a lot of companies were still struggling with what to do at that point. And uh, you were able to get ahead of it and launch this, you know, very thoughtful program. Uh, part of that thoughtfulness is how you've designed your offices. And so we're looking at, you know, one design here uh, in San Francisco, but tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so, you know, the first thing I, I just want to uh, note is we have a top-notch workplace and travel team. Uh, and, I, and I think maybe because of the, the uh, involvement that Autodesk has with our products in uh, working with building designers and architects and uh, in designing spaces, the uh, workplace and travel team has done an amazing job of uh, building our spaces and then redesigning and reconfiguring as, as we've gone along. So about 26% of our workforce is remote. It's up from about 18% in uh, 2020. So we've really seen an increase in the number of uh, our employees who are working 
100% from home, we had to evolve our office footprint to reflect the changing uh, talent distribution. And so historically, our offices were really designed for people coming together to work apart. And so you had the uh, you know people working in, in cubicles or spaces side by side and, and uh, with meeting rooms, et cetera. But today, through some of that reimagination, most of our office spaces are designed for people to come together to work together. We're really focused on the collaboration elements. Uh, over 60 to 70% of our hub office spaces have been redesigned with hybrid collaboration in mind in the last 18 months. A lot of work that the team has put into to the redesign of offices. Uh, some of the things we've done is we've invested in more collaboration technology and meeting areas designed to boost uh, like our productivity and our collaboration. We've implemented space sensor technology to help assess how employees use the space. So looking at uh, the, the sensor to show swarms of activity or how long people stay in certain areas can help our teams understand is it is being utilized in the right way. And uh, one of the things I'm excited about is we've recently implemented a new concierge uh, service for on-site offsites. It's called the Autodesk Conference Experience. And so the idea is if we can get teams uh, that would normally be booking for uh, offsites at resorts or uh, at hotels and using hotel conference centers, if we could get those teams to uh, bring those offsites into the offices, into one of the hub locations, and if we had the ability to then offer a similar experience to what a hotel conference center might be or a resort conference center might be, that then gives those teams the ability to bump into other employees when they're in the office, to experience Autodesk and uh, in, in, in the time that they're doing their offsite. So we've, we've kicked this off in this last year. It's, it involved redesigning conference spaces, configuring uh, conference rooms to be uh, highly configurable, uh, and then also things like catering and meeting services, really upping the game in those areas to, to compete with what would be uh, out, outside uh, venues. And, uh, and it's been really successful so, so far. We, we have those Autodesk conference sent, uh, experiences available in San Francisco, Portland, Denver, Barcelona, Munich, Singapore, and Dublin, um, giving, getting a lot of positive feedback so far with those we're using. And I think I, I have some slides here. I think one of them is up uh, for San Francisco just to show some of the different configurations that we have. The, uh, this happens to be one of our, our centers where we have the ability to kind of put, put together both a, an informal or a formal uh, kind of meeting space, highly configurable. The next slide is uh, just an example of picture taken of the catering, if we can go to that, that next yeah, slide. Before we go to that, I, I just wanted to call out to everyone on this San Francisco one. Uh, it's interesting because you've got two distinct, um, you know, approaches. You've got, the, you've got the same sort of Zoom screen uh, on front on the wall. I guess one is doubled up there on the right, but on, on the far end is sort of a traditional horseshoe or U-shaped uh, table with traditional business chairs. And then on, on, on the foreground here is the more comfortable looking chairs. But the thing I'd never seen before is those small tables in front of each of each uh, chair, which makes it possible to be in a comfortable chair and yet still have maybe a drink or your laptop or tablet or whatever uh, placed in front of you instead of sort of fumbling or having it on your lap. So I just think that it's a subtle thing, but I think that's a, a, a nice innovation I hadn't seen before. Yeah, my, it's, I'm glad you pointed that detail out. My team and I just had an offsite at this particular uh, location a couple of weeks ago, and it it is a great opportunity to, in a very uh, connected environment, you can move from sort of more formal uh, into that casual environment without a lot right. of hassle. And yes, the there's also you don't see it, but there's also uh, outlet stands uh, around those chairs as well to help nice. you stay very connected. Very nice. And yes, we do have a couple of other images. So let me move on to the next one here. You mentioned the catering. Oh, yeah. So, uh, and this is just an example. We, you know, we have, uh, we have uh, catering services really well done, uh, making sure that uh, for, for those who are, you, you don't get the resort, right? If you're, if you're going an offsite, you don't necessarily get the, uh, the resort experience, but at least we have the ability to, to really provide 
great uh, catering services as part of that as well. So for teams that are up going through this Autodesk conference experience, uh, they don't feel like they're missing out when they do an offsite in the office. I think that's generally what. Now you're making everybody hungry, Mike. Yeah. yeah, just in another example here real quick, the, the Munich, in a Munich office, another example of the uh, informal space. And again, these are highly configurable. And just some examples, I, I think the other thing I just would want to point out is it, uh, beyond the Autodesk conference experience, we, we really have redesigned most of the, the usable space in our offices toward different ways for teams to collaborate and to come together. So it's it's really focused on, you know, there are obviously there's spaces where people can work alone and, and uh, kind of in a, in a quiet environment, but a lot of the spaces we're trying to really focus on how to bring people together. And so um, I know we're going to learn more about uh, some of the digital tools and other features of this Flex Forward program, but I, I think we want to pause here for just a moment and ask our participants today on the call just to get a, a, a pulse, get a sense of uh, what your sort of return to office or current work model is like at your organization. Is it fully remote? And and bracket this, the caveat, this should be only about your employees for whom remote is even a possibility. So if you have manufacturing or retail employees, ignore that population for now. For those where, where remote is at least a possibility, is your current work model fully remote, fully in the office? Is it flexible hybrid, like it very much sounds like it is at Autodesk? Is it fixed hybrid, where uh, fixed meaning demanding that people come in, say, three days a week or specific days in the week? Um, so if everyone could vote here in the poll, which of these descriptions best describes your organization? And then we'll see the results here in just a moment. I was... Um... At a company in Chicago the last couple of days, Mike, uh, doing an, an event, and I was um, I was struck by um, these full size posters that they had put at the end of hallways, where it was people in meetings, and so it was kind of giving the illusion that there was people in the office uh, at this particular company because they're struggling a little bit to get people back into the office. And I, I'd never seen that before where you walk down a hall and it looks like there's a meeting going on, but it's just a, a big poster of people in a meeting. That's a that's an interesting approach for sure. <laughs> yeah. So here we see the results and uh, not surprisingly, Flex Hybrid uh, gets the most at 42%, Fixed Hybrid at 39, Fully Remote coming in at, at 13, and no one on the call today uh, has a fully on-site, again, for those folks where it's even a possibility to be remote. This very closely mirrors, actually, Kevin, the results we saw in early August when we did a pulse survey. Uh, for that survey, I have the data here in front of me. It was 41% flex versus 42 today. It was 37% fixed versus 39% today. 9% uh, remote versus 13 today. So the only place in that survey, we did have 8% that said fully in office, and today we don't have any. But that could just be a reflection of the folks we have on the call today. But uh, very, very similar numbers over the past few months. Yeah, you know, and it's, this is something that uh, we we constantly monitor and we're asking about, um, it, you know, it'll be interesting to see how this um, shakes out over time. I think it it differs a little bit um, by geography. So whether, you know, depending on what country you're in, this can differ even within, you know, certain countries. So within the U.S., different cities, I think, have different approaches um, to in-office or, or flexible. And Mike, just being a, a global organization, I'd be curious what, what you're finding, you know, from, from your global offices. Yeah, we, we have, we definitely have differences office to office in terms of uh, office utilization and, and how, how often employees are coming into the office. Uh, a number of our countries in APAC have higher, uh, you know, daily in-office um, tenants than uh, say in in EMEA or in the mayor, uh, you know what what is important for us is that uh, employees are coming into the office because they feel it's most productive for them, or, or when being asked to come into the office by their their manager or or, or leader that it's for you know a purposeful intent mm -hmm. around uh, uh, connecting or doing something in person that's going to be of value. So I think. What we try to avoid is, and this is why we're not doing the um, kind of a fixed hybrid approach, we want to avoid a mandate around coming in a certain number of times a week or, or a month and then employees come in and, and um, sit alone. 
or don't have an inner uh, connection and, and wonder why they uh, why they didn't stay at home. And so for for us, it's really about those things: intentional gathering and uh, and focusing on employee individual flexibility. And so depending on you know uh, individual circumstances and and different cultural norms in different uh, countries, we will have higher and lower office attendance. You know, Mike, aside from the, what, what I would consider a very proactive approach, but also a very creative approach. I love the creativity that you guys have put into this. I was also struck by some of your technology references um, when you were talking about uh, in office. And so let's, let's, talk, let's shift to digital experiences. Tell us how you're using technology as part of this. Yeah, and so this is an area I'm really excited by, uh, making making use of uh, technology to help us with with this. And I'll just have a, a few that I'll point out. Uh, first, uh, I'll talk a little bit about Lumi. Uh, Lumi is uh, a an AI power virtual assistant that we launched last year at Autodesk, and uh, is focused on providing answers to questions across all the different uh, corporate. Uh, functions, and that's that's one of the exciting things I think about Lumi. It's been a, a real uh, partnership between uh, our people in places organization, IT, and other corporate functions to have uh, one virtual assistant to the benefit of employees answering uh, any kind of question that they might have uh, that to help them uh, be productive. And so uh, we launched Lumi in the U.S. last year. And have since gone, Lumi has gone on a world tour uh, and launched into all of our locations globally by uh, August of this year. Uh, used by over 5,300 employees so far and answered over 2,300 or 23,000 questions. Mm. Uh, and, you know, really focused on trying to make it easy for employees to get the information they need wh wherever they're at. And one of the most exciting things I think about Lumi was. The work we did in developing the voice and the persona uh, it was really important to me in the partnership with with our IT team that we we didn't just have a, a virtual assistant for the sake of vir a virtual assistant, but it really spoke to our autodeskers. So we spent a lot of time with a cross section of, of employees talking about what um, you know what is the 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 voice and the design for uh, the virtual assistant need to look like, and how can we make it such that employees really love. And so Lumi, I um, see a lot of potential for Lumi with generative AI coming now and the ability for us to take use of that technology and continue to build ways for, uh, you know, for our employees to get the information they need and also to take actions, et cetera. Um, we've also focused on our online experience. So how are we making content available uh, for employees, whether that is uh, content to help them be productive uh, or personalized news and uh, ability for them to feel connected to other autodeskers in their region or, or with the kind of work that they're doing. So we spent a lot of time improving our online experience that is a journey, frankly, we're continuing to do now. Uh, and then just another example is um, where we are using technology to help uh, our employees not only schedule space when they're coming in the office, but how to connect with others um, who are also coming into the office so that they can uh, schedule together, they can find ways to, to connect. And so uh, we're, we're, this is one example with the, the Robin uh, application, the other technology we're using to help with the office experience around that. So a lot of work uh, ahead. And this is just, this is an area I'm excited about. I think there's plenty of opportunity, but these are three examples that we've already started with. Oh, I love it. It's, it's, uh, it's great to see. And I, I feel like we've only scratched the surface um, leveraging technology um, to, to, you know, make that employee experience better no matter where you're working. And so it's great to see some of the progress that you guys have made. And this whole Flex Forward program is just interesting from a number of different perspectives. I know you're, you know, you've incorporated uh, global mobility into it. And I just I would love to hear about some of the key features of, uh, you know, of the program, Mike. Yeah, so... Um... The the key features, some of the things that I think are important about it, uh, beyond just the uh, you know the program design itself, is some of the areas we're putting focus into. So one is gathering guidelines. You know, if intentional gathering is important to us, and uh, we want to make sure that 
uh, leaders and teams are thinking about best ways to, to gather in person. We really are spending a lot of time uh, with how do we train leaders to effectively make those decisions about when to gather um, and, and for teams to come together and um, making sure that we're building that out. We're also have put programs uh, in place to support the development of employees, managers, and leaders on just how to operate in a hybrid environment. Uh, some leaders are very effective at uh, managing a distributed team who are not all co-located and coming into the office. And for, for other leaders, that's, uh, it's a little bit uh, more difficult. And so uh, we're trying to help with uh, giving coaching guidance and training for leaders on how do you uh, get... Uh, how do you focus on outcome-based uh, uh, goals and keeping your, your teams focused on the right things in a, in a virtual way? And uh, that's an important part for us. From a program perspective itself, we've also introduced some new reimbursement options that enable employees to do their best work remotely. Uh, so, uh, you know, in, implementing, for example, making, making sure that we have a um, uh, office, uh, home office, uh, allotment for employees as they start to be productive at home, uh, and then uh, an annual uh, uh, reimbursement amount for the things that, that costs that they need to cover uh, working remotely as well. So we have a number of those things that we've introduced. Mike, if I could, I'd, I'd like to jump in here. We had a couple of questions a few minutes ago in the chat from both Candice and Nikki, and they were both essentially asking measurement of impact of, of this flex forward program. I know we had spoken about the impact on um, in our prep for today on uh, attraction and retention of talent, but I'm also just wondering what specific measurements you've been using to, to see how things are going. Yeah, it's a good question. And we, so we, we are measuring the program we put together. Um, we're, we're working on sort of a, a mix of metrics that we're monitoring both in terms of um, the effectiveness of the program in, uh, in employee perception around flexibility, uh, or around connection and belonging, and then also we're monitoring things like uh, attrition, uh, our hiring experience, et cetera, um, and, and also business metrics like productivity. This was a difficult one for us to really measure uh, around, but we're looking at uh, you know, making sure that this program doesn't have a negative impact on our overall business outcomes. Uh, you know, engagement for us remains strong. We, uh, we have uh, uh, attrition that has continued to be low. Uh, and just a couple of stats, I think, that might help with this. We've increased our number of applications. So we have one point, or one times, uh, sorry, 1.6 times more applications for hybrid remote roles uh, than the baseline, um, than prior, than the baseline for, uh, uh, candidates who are looking for roles that are not hybrid remote. So really seeing a high increase in number of applicants who are interested in our remote uh, opportunities, and that has been consistent since we launched the program. And also from a diversity lens, we have seen 1.8 times the number of female candidates and 1.5 times the number of underrepresented people of color candidates in the U.S. for remote and hybrid roles based on the fact that we're um, opening up our hiring um, opportunity in locations that we hadn't been hiring previous when we were restricted to office. So really great results in terms of the number of candidates who show interest. Uh, our attrition is, is remaining low, 5.1% uh, attrition for remote employees and overall you know, low attrition for the, the rest of the company as well. So a lot of uh, things that we're seeing that are great. The one, the one thing I think we're monitoring, we're a little, little uh, uh, concerned about is we're seeing a drop in employee connection. Uh, so in our, in our uh, engagement survey, we, it's particularly for those who are fully remote-based employees, we're seeing uh, sort of a trending drop. And so we want to uh, find ways to figure out how we can build employee connections more than we have up to this point. But belonging and overall engagement remains strong. That's not surprising. It, it, it aligns with what a lot of organizations we've talked to that either have a fixed hybrid or a flexible hybrid approach or an all remote approach where, you know, early in the pandemic, productivity might have actually gone up. Maybe it stayed up pretty well for the things that we tend to measure. 
connection and, and work on collaborative uh, projects has maybe lagged or, or, or slowed a bit. Um, and that is, a, as, as you're making the point, a concern for productivity in the future. And so focusing on how to drive that uh, with a hybrid population or a fully remote population uh, can be critical to the future. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a tough one to, to, to crack too, because I think uh, employees show uh, high desire for flexibility. And they, they love the flexibility. And at the same time, I think there, there's something about, uh, the, you know, the not coming in to meet in person in, in the office, at least periodically, that is, uh, you know, that is causing a decay in employee connection. So this is something we want to explore more. I mean, it's a combination of what can we do to find ways to make sure that we're intentionally gathering and doing that in, a, in the effective ways. Um, in the office and bringing people together. But I also am hoping that we'll be able to explore some some ways to build employee connection virtually. So, um, you know, if I'm sitting at home, what are ways that I can uh, meet people virtually without having to bump into them in an office? And um, are there ways that we can think about how to uh, help employees make friends in a distributed way, which is something I'm excited to, to explore. Kevin, I'll let you ask another couple of questions in our time remaining, but I do just want to call out, um, we've had a bit of a schedule change uh, such that I think we've got Rob Cross, our new Senior VP of Research, as the guest coming up in two weeks here at Next Practices Weekly. And for those that don't know, Rob is now full-time with I4CP, but he's also the founder of the Connected Commons, and he's a real guru in this space of, of employee connectivity. Uh, and he's been applying all of his research and, and work that he does now uh, to this modern world of work and this hybrid world. So I think uh, I'd be surprised if we don't touch on that topic and some of the practices that he's seen uh, in our session two weeks from now. So I'd encourage everyone on the call, if you're in a similar situation to Mike at Autodesk uh, and would like the latest and greatest from someone like Rob, uh, be sure to come back and join us in a couple of weeks. But with that, we've got about uh, five minutes left, Kevin. I, I know we had a few more questions lined up. Oh, we could talk to Mike for hours, I'm sure. But Mike, uh, one, um, one thing I've noticed uh, for critics of remote work or hybrid work, um, there was a study going around that uh, showed that remote workers were less productive um, overall. And what was a little bit laughable is the study was from 2017, and it was one particular audience, a call center in India. Um, mm -hmm. And so I love that you just shared a bunch of great stats with us. But as you think about productivity, um, is that something you guys are trying to measure? It, it's, yeah, it is something we're, we're trying to, to measure. It's a, it's a bit of a complex one, I think, for, for us to, to tackle. I think one of the things that we, um, we want to be careful about is thinking about productivity from an, an activity-based perspective. And uh, we see that with some companies going down that road and trying to really focus on, on uh, how long employees are, you know, sitting at their computer or how many keystrokes and those kinds of things. We want to try to be careful that, that that's not our definition. I think, you know, we, we uh, I was reading your, uh, the report, the research report from I4CP on productivity and resonates a lot with uh, the way that we're thinking about it at, at Autodesk. Uh, really trying to find metrics that are more outcome focused and um, how to measure productivity in that way. And uh, it's, it's a challenge. I'll be honest, we don't have it solved at this point to really understand deeply, but we're, we're kind of taking a macro view first, which is to say, uh, you know, how is our revenue per employee cost kind of doing over time? And like, how, how are we uh, competing there? We're looking at, uh, you know, from a, productivity and an innovation perspective, we're looking at how do our customers think and the sentiment our customers have on Autodesk as an innovator and as a, you know, as productivity in terms of the, the kind of uh, changes they want to see in the software and whether we're, we're doing that. And I think over time, we want to be able to put more, uh, I, I think, quantitative metrics in place around uh, outcome uh, attainment, goal attainment. Uh, right now, that's really difficult for us to measure. We don't yet have the, uh, the, the goal attainment tracking in place to be able to do that. Is there a particular goal method that you're using internally with your managers? We are, uh, we are not at this point in time. And that's one of the 
areas that we're focused on in uh, within our talent management COEs is looking at the way we do performance management. We, as a company, you know, like, like a number of tech companies, we went away from uh, sort of the performance rating method in um, you know the last uh, five to six years, and um, are really now focused on feedback and uh, sort of individual uh, goals with leaders and employees. But we don't. Uh, what what I hope that we'll be able to do in the future is be able to put that into the, the kind of a program that we can then measure um, a little bit more uh, quantitatively. Right now, it's pretty qualitative. Awesome. Well, Mike, I know we're we're just about out of time, but I want to make sure we have uh, enough time to thank you for joining us and uh, congratulate you and all the great work that you and Autodesk are doing in this area. It's really remarkable. Thanks, Kevin. I really appreciated uh, taking the time and, and thanks for inviting me. Thank you for listening to this episode of I4CP's Next Practices Weekly podcast. I encourage you to join us live for these discussions each Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific time, so that you can ask questions of our guests and co-hosts and participate in the conversation. Just go to i4cp.com forward slash events to register. We hope you'll keep tuning in as I4CP brings you more great HR executives to discuss how high-performance organizations are leveraging best and next practices in HR. Also want to remind everyone uh, of our Next Practices Now conference. Again, this is now open for official registration next March 25th through the 28th in Scottsdale, Arizona. Um, You can register now if you're already making travel plans for the new year. Thank you, and we hope you have a great and productive week ahead.